yeah um calling is a big part um but it don't you don't have to really sound too great you just got to kind of know when when to call and when not to call and obviously you don't want to putt at a turkey instead of cut a cut's a whole lot different than a putt you putt at a turkey and that's like a, an alarm sound you cut at them and that's like a excited sound and i think people sometimes can mess that up and you can make a red hot bird shut right down i'm hunter jordan i'm colin blaylock and welcome to the great lakes experience today's episode is brought to you by big al's baits and dnr sports center for all your fishing or turkey hunting needs season's coming up so don't miss out on all the great sales that dnr has going on right now stop in or hit them up online ladies and gentlemen welcome to episode 11 right yeah 11. we are here with tanner dean and riley dean his daughter they are both joining us today from the comfort of their home tanner how's it going going pretty good and you guys self we're doing all right, man. It's going good. It's almost that time of the year for turkey. For some, it started a little bit sooner, like yourself. Yes, yeah, sir. you had a trip to Florida, correct? Yep, I went to Florida to try to finish my Grand Slam. But come to find out, the place I went to go hunt was kind of a bust. I got permission on 80 acres of private ground down there. And um the guy said, oh, this place is loaded with turkeys. I get down there. He's got a cattle pasture with about four trees in it. Not a single gobbler within a square mile. Um, so we spent the opener sitting against a tree for no reason out there. <laughs> just yelping because we wanted to be in the woods. And then um, we had to wait for Monday morning to come so that we could get onto one of the WMAs. And then... Um, I got super close both days and the, the last day. Um, I had a bird within 40 yards. I just could not find his head. It was so thick that he was right on top of spitting and drumming. But um, for some reason, because the cypress bottoms are absolutely thick, they got these big old green plants that grow out of the bottom. And I happened to pick the only spot. It was absolutely super thick, which I tried to do that on purpose to get the birds to have to come look, but he didn't he didn't come around that his hand walked right by us and um right after his hand got through we heard a dude on a gobbler tube and he was closing distance and he ended up coming right up to us and um never heard another peep from that bird and it was time to get on the road and get to the airport so it was a good start to the season but not how i wanted to finish it out yeah yeah it's kind of a bummer that you go on those trips was that the first time you've turkey hunted in florida Yep. Yep. That's, that's gotta be pretty cool. What is it like going somewhere to like a totally different environment to go hunt birds like that? Well, I'll tell you, it's uh nothing like Michigan. They have, they have oak trees yeah. that don't really look like oak trees and they got like moss hanging off of them. It's kind of breathtaking. We, we spent the first day cause we got down there on a Friday and we just drove around and it was like, we were kind of just speechless cause it was so cool. Michigan, it's, I mean, you get used to the same old same, and then you go somewhere where it looks like that, and there are little cypress bottoms with the big cypress trees, and it's all pretty cool, and alligators, cottonmouths, yeah. all that kind of stuff. I saw a wild hog, too. 
if it would have been legal to shoot him, I think I would have. Yeah. <laughs> Something under your belt for the trip. That's fun. <laughs> so we caught a fish. There you go. Caught a little red fin something. Red fin something. I can't remember. It looked like a miniature pike. Oh, there you go. So compared to the Easterns up here, how do their habits kind of vary down there in Florida? Well, um, where we were hunting, when we ended up hunting WMAs, there wasn't like big fields or nothing. So the, the it was pretty much a ginormous swamp you're hunting. Like you're wading through water to get back into these pieces. And um, so... I guess in Michigan, maybe in some places they do, but a lot of times you see our birds strutting out in fields. And um, if not, they're in like big high spots in the woods, timber, like oak ridges and stuff. And down there, it's all like just thick, nasty, watery, just a mess down there. And they'll walk right through a couple feet of water. They said, they said, that's why they got such long legs. They just kind of, they said, if you get a bird in, in water, he will come through it. And here, most of the time, water is one of them things that kind of hangs a bird up. Oh, yeah. But not down there. They got... That's that's really they, interesting, actually. Yeah. Their their legs are oddly long from what I could tell. We I called a hen in the first morning, and she walked all the way around the decoys. And she was she was pretty cool, but she was more like like a real bronzy color. Yeah. So did you have to get special decoys for down there? Like, did you buy, like, Osceola decoys? No, nope. Um, we brought decoys, but we never ended up uh, using them. Okay. Because uh, I don't, I'm not a big fan of decoys, especially if I can hunt the timber. And like I said, I try to set up where it's kind of thick, where they have to kind of come look. But we've shot them over decoys, don't get me wrong. That's an absolute great tool to use because everyone knows turkey hunting's hard enough. Yeah. You don't give them visual sometimes they don't break yep so how did you first when did you first start turkey hunting i know you and your brother taylor have been into it for quite a while from what i've seen on social media and just talking to you guys a little bit at the store and stuff um but when did you guys first start like going into it pretty heavy um i started i i started when i was 15 and um i went out one year because I had a, a neighbor, I lived in a neighborhood and a, a neighbor had turkeys and um, they owned like 30 acres and they're like, oh, you can hunt. And so me knowing absolutely nothing, I went and bought a turkey tag and took my bow out and I just, I didn't know how to call nothing. And I just kind of ran around yelping at them with a $3 slate call from Walmart. Mm-hmm. And I got really close a handful of times and the very last day of the season, um, my grandma's neighbor gave us permission and I got a hold of a shotgun and I called a Tom in with like three minutes of legal light left and shot him. And ever since then, it, it kind of lit a fire. And then after that, um, my buddy Brayden, he got into it and me and him, we were hunting together and he would, uh, I'd call in birds and he'd emptied his gun on them and they'd be gobbling the entire time while you're shooting. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then we would get whooped so bad we wouldn't even be killing turkeys and it whenever something's real hard for me i tend to get like overly addicted to it and um turkey count was one of them things where it was it was real hard and i just got addicted to it and now it's pretty much everything i think about but i'd have to say probably 17 years old is when i really started kind of hitting it hard and 
Um, my dad wasn't a turkey hunter. I didn't have no family members, but I did have a baseball coach that was a turkey hunter. And um, his name was Adam Brum, still a good friend of mine to this day. And he gave us a, a lot of tips and he got me over to his house, yelping on a mouth call, yelping on a slate call, and uh, kind of taught me a little bit about woodsmanship. And since then, it's kind of taken off. And for the, I don't know, last four or five years, we've had some just outstanding opening weekends. Yeah. Some, some you kind of dream of, but been super blessed, to be honest. Yeah. So when would you say would be like the uh, probably your best, your favorite time to like go chasing? Is it that, that first weekend? Is that first? Oh, yeah. Opening weekend here in Michigan. It seems usually they're just about getting right. And that's that's my favorite. We've we've had a few years where we shot in four opening morning, three opening morning, and them are separate hunts. And it's been I mean, they're just hot right out of the gates, it seems. And but I, I've had some really cool hunts in May, but if I was if I was to pick a time, it would be first first week in uh, Michigan opens. It's usually like seventeenth, the twentieth or the twenty third, and they seem to be on fire. Yep. I think it's the 23rd this year, isn't it? Yes, sir. Yep. Starts on a Saturday, which is perfect. Gives us all a weekend. Yeah. Um, take no time off. <laughs> there you go. So, obviously, you said you just need your Osceola to finish your Grand Slam. Uh, let's talk about kind of where you shot your Miriam and your Rio. Okay. Um, I'll start with my Rio because I shot that one um first i went to south texas and they had a bunch of hunts online that you could purchase like and be guided and everything hunt high fences and that's just something i don't really want to do and so i um got talking to a guy online he's like a buddy of mine owns uh, is either three or five hundred acres one of the two is between three and five hundred he said it's low fences um and all you have to do is just give him a trespass fee and he'll just let you wander around he said there's turkeys out there he's had people come out before and kill them and i said okay so i got a hold of his buddy and i trusted the guy i gave him i think 300 bucks and he let me have the place to myself and um i went out all right i took and i said you know what i'll give myself a day and a half which was pretty dumb and i said i'll go down there for a day and a half and Hopefully, if there's birds on this property, I can get property. I can get one killed and get back on the plane. And uh, we got down there. First morning broke, and there was gobblers everywhere. But they were all on the neighboring properties. They were all high fence properties with uh, feeders and everything. And I said, "This is going to be tough." My wife was pregnant. She went with me to film. And uh, second second morning we um we had a roost hunt ruined and so riley we had a we had a roost hunt ruined and um i ended up going to get breakfast i told her we'll come back hunt till noon and we'll have to uh get headed back to Tampa or to um dallas to get on the plane and um uh, the guy called me he said hey i just drove by the the field and there was a bunch of long beards out there and so I ended up leaving breakfast, getting out there, 
belly crawled down the edge of this field to a, a real thick spot, um, yelped at him. And there was probably six or seven times out there. And uh, one of the times broke and he walked into about 22, 23 yards. And I was just going to let him keep coming. But I seen, uh, seen the time was ticking. And so I ended up shooting him right there in that field just in time to cut him up and um, get on get on the way back to um, Dallas. And then my, um, my South Dakota bird, which was my Merriam, I shot in the Black Hills. And um, he, um, he was after 56 miles of walking. That's oh, a lot of man. real big terrain out there. Yeah. And the birds were very sparse. It was May, second week of May. Birds were real sparse. And um, I heard five gobbles in nine days. And on the eighth day, we, um, or on the seventh day, we had roosted a bird. We walked two and a half miles back to a lake and um, kind of were just sitting there waiting for dark. And I all hooted a few times, nothing, nothing, nothing. And finally, I, um, I told my buddy, I said, hey, this is something I, would, I usually would never do. But I said, hey, shoot that gun into the ground. And it'll cover a lot of ground. And if there's something in the area, it'll shot gobble. And so he did. And not a not nothing gobbled. And I said, well, there ain't a bird back here. We turned around. We walked about 100 yards. And when we did, a bird gobbled, just gobbled to something on top of this big mountain. So I dropped a pin on him, and we came back the next morning. And um, his feet hit the ground at, like, I want to say like 502 and he was dead at like 504 or something. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah. It was beautiful. We got to crawl up through these big old pines and um, I crawled up underneath a hen on accident and the hen never even noticed me. I was about five yards from her <laughs> and um, she pitched down right in front of me. He pitched down. I, I made one more move to a, a place that I could get where I could shoot him. I was going to pop over the hill because he, he pitched down just over this edge. And when I sat, when I went to get up to my knees, he was coming right at me. I only had to yelp one time. And then his head came up and boom, Marion went down the hill. Okay. Uh, That's sweet. Is there a certain reason why you go South Dakota? Um, um, to like Nebraska or... Well, I chose South Dakota because I figured with the terrain, not a lot of people would be out there, but I was wrong <laughs> because apparently pretty fun place for people to go. And I guess I got to witness that because there was not a lot of birds and I'm pretty, I'm fairly confident they were, a lot of them were getting shot up. And, um, but I mean, Nebraska's sweet. I went there the week after, but I only was there for like a day. And then my brother's wife got sick, and um, we ended up having to leave. But Nebraska was cool. I'd go back there. I was thinking about going out there this year, but South Dakota just seemed really cool. And it was, once again, it was one of them places that you go. It was kind of breathtaking. Yep. Awesome. I know uh, Nebraska is definitely on the list for me. Not this year, but the next. Yeah. Oh. You just get a hold of me when you go. I will. I got a buddy that lives out on the west side. Um, closer to Wyoming. He said, there's plenty of birds around there. He'd point me in the right direction. 
And unlike waterfowl hunting, I've heard it's uh, a little bit easier to find some public and private and stuff to get on. So we'll yeah, see. they have Pine, Pine Ridge is giant track of land over in the western, northwest side. Yep. It'd be pretty sweet, honestly. For everyone listening, Riley is actually our special guest today. She's telling her own stories. If you can decipher this, <laughs> drop us a comment. We'd like to know what she's all hollering about. Probably, <laughs> I don't know why you're walking around the house with me. Um, <laughs> she's sweating so bad I can feel her on my chest. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but. Um, so I guess I'll like, go into our next topic here. I would talk about calling a little bit that's like i would argue callings your make or break it in turkey hunting more than decoys or location i mean you can totally ruin your hunt if you don't know what you're doing when you're calling i mean you want to talk about that a little bit um yeah yeah um calling is a big part um but it don't you don't have to really sound too great you just got to kind of know when when to call and when not to call and obviously you don't want to putt at a turkey instead of cut a cut's a whole lot different than a putt. You putt at a turkey, and that's like a, an alarm sound. You cut at them, and that's like a excited sound. And I think people sometimes can mess that up, and you can make a red-hot bird shut right down. And, um, yeah, I'm, I run a mouth call pretty good and a slight call pretty good, but I'm not the greatest. I'm, there's a lot of guys better out there than me, but I tend to um, – I tend to, I, th- I think I could, I could work on like the roost hunts where, um, I'm tight to the birds. Um, but midday I feel pretty confident you strike up a bird midday, as long as you're not out there. I mean, just over calling. I mean, most of the time midday you're, you're going to, if you get a bird fired up, he's going to come. But I mean, calling is something that you, you got to at least know something half decent about. Yeah. yeah. So like when do you when would you say is like like give us some tips for like when and when not to call kind of um so like I reverted to earlier a lot of times we like to get the timber and hunt yeah. and um so you get somewhere where it's kind of thick and then you can do some soft calling when a bird gets close and then he'll he'll have to come looking if you get into open timber if a bird gets into where he can see where you would be calling from, if it's open enough that he could see, then you, um, you want to shut down and just let him come look. Cause a bird, what the first time he hears you call, he knows exactly where you're calling from. So you don't have to keep hitting him with it because when he comes in there, he's going to, he can walk right to the tree. You were sitting again against when you first yelped. So to me, if you're in open timber, you fire up a bird, he gets to a point where you're like, all right, he should probably see me soon. You just shut down on him and make him come look. Um, thick timber you can kind of stay on him a little bit more and he'll have to come look regardless if he's, I mean, if he's fired up enough, he'll come look. But um, there are times when you get a bird fired up and he won't break regardless. And that's one thing you just have to learn to shut down on him because once you shut down on him, he goes, man, that was the hottest hen I've heard in a while. Now all of a sudden she wants nothing to do with me. So then he'll break to come look, or maybe he won't, but 
them are situational when you have to make yeah. up in your mind, like, I'm going to put the call down. I'm going to take the call out of my mouth because I've yelped at this turkey for the last 10 minutes. He's standing in the same spot. And if I just keep yelping at him, he's going to expect me to come to him. That's when you just got to learn the difference and overcalling and just, you know what, he won today or you shut down on him. Here he comes and you, you win. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's a huge misconception, especially starting off is a lot of people think you need to call at that bird 24 seven. If it's gobbling back at you, but like you said, if that Tom's hanging up, especially if you're hunting an open oak wood or something where they can see quite a distance. There's a reason. Yeah. I mean, you shut up, you play that hard to get game. I mean, it's just like humans. If somebody stops talking to you, you get intrigued. You're like, what the hell? And then you keep coming. So give us kind of like a rundown. Um, starting off, we'll start off at scouting. When you go out and scout, what kind of, what are you looking for? Stuff um, like well, uh, early in the year, I drive around a lot, I burn up the, the rubber. And um, we, we just go with a pair of binos. And uh, it's field to field to field. Once we start locating birds, we'll start knocking on doors. Um, and once we get permission, we we go in there. We see if there's if it's if the woods is all scratched up. If not, um, is there oaks in there? Is there any type of terrain features? Is there water? Because just like deer, um, turkeys require food, water, and cover. Hens require cover during the spring to nest on and then just like us you have to have something to drink and you have to eat so anywhere where there's fields some kind of thick cover and water that tends to be an absolute slam dunk plus we always look for big oaks with horizontal limbs or maybe um i don't know we don't have cottonwoods here but i know out west you have cottonwoods cottonwood bottoms that you um you key on but um here it's just mainly big oaks and some kind of terrain feature, and you're going to have birds there. Yeah. So is that typically what they roost in is oaks, big oaks? Um, I've noticed a lot of times in oaks. Um, I have seen them roost in some stuff that I'm like, I don't even know if I'd trust climbing up on that limb, and they're up there chilling yeah. on a limb an inch big. But Yeah. Um, I've noticed with one thing back home is behind my house back home, there's a, there's a big section of pine trees. But it's mm-hmm. those it's those pine trees with those big, like four inch limbs that go straight out. They love those things. I think, yep. I think it's like you said with those oaks with straight out horizontal limbs. That's their. I think that's what they're just mainly looking for most of the time. And oak trees just happen to have those. Yep, and they have with oaks. You got food. Yeah. So, um, so that puts them. I mean, a lot of times if you go into a big oak stand, like a big stand of timber with a lot of oaks you'll see under a lot of the oaks they'll be scratching because a lot of times they eat well not a lot of times all the time they're eating that and then they're eating the insects that come around um the bottom of them oaks and stuff so you'll find grasshoppers and stuff around them areas and that's they're in there eating the grasshoppers ants um so yeah that's another that's kind of what we key in on all the all the big timber with horizontal limbs but it all starts when we're driving around because I'm not going to ask permission on a property if I'm not seeing turkeys anytime, or if I'm not, if like during the spring, we stop and pull off outside of the road, just random spots. And we'll listen in the morning or listen at night. And if I'm not hearing birds, I'm not knocking on doors. 
Yeah. But um, a lot of our properties we have gotten permission are just straight up driving around seeing turkeys. And I'm just like looking on the onyx. I've seen timber. And I'm like, well, they have a reason to come back. Um, during during the spring, they're going to be in there because there's oaks and there's one of our properties has a um, a pretty good sized field and it's got a big old stand of oaks and on the very back side of it, it's got a, a lake and that spot we always say that spot's good for at least a bird or two because every year they they don't they're never in there in the winter and then all of a sudden in the spring there they are. Yeah. Is there anything else like a river bottom or something you key in on? I know when I'm doing a lot of scouting or fishing, when I do a lot of my trout fishing, you see a lot of birds sitting on those um, uh, river banks and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, turkeys key in big time on um, big river systems. I know in Ohio, that's one thing I marked on a lot of my, my maps is they have big creek systems and rivers run down there. And nine times out of ten, birds roost on the edge of water. And I don't know if that's because with predators, they could pitch over that water and be out of harm's way like now, or if it's a lot to do with, obviously they need to drink. So, but yeah, water is definitely one of them things where, yeah, I definitely, that's a spot. If a big creek system is going to have birds on it, usually pretty much any time. Yeah. <clears throat> so how early in the year do you start like looking for them? Like, like, <clears throat> are you starting to look around like do you like end of february or middle of march or um start and drive back roads and start keeping an eye out for them um which helps that i do a lot of glassing for whitetails but usually in january um we start driving around once we start finding big flocks of birds we know that area is going to have turkeys and then we end up marking them and then we come back in the spring probably most birds around here, they start gobbling um, probably first week of March, second week of March. So then we're pulling off the side of the roads in them areas and just listening. And if we hear birds, like I said, we'll go mark that spot and come back and talk to landowners. But I'd say as far as listening for turkeys or um, expecting birds to be in an area where you can hunt them, I'd say uh, March. Okay, yeah. So are you knocking on, are you knocking on fresh doors every year? Yep. Yep. Um, a lot of times we don't shoot turkeys on the same properties, uh, two years in a row. Although a few of my buddies have, I've hardly ever shot a turkey on the same property year in and year out. Okay. Do you have any specific reason for that? You think it keeps the birds kind of fresh or is it just, um, just the way it goes for you? It just tends, I guess, to be the way it goes for me. Um, but I'm nonstop driving around. I, like I said, I, I'm driving all the time. Once, once both or deer season's over, I'm out looking for, um, bucks waiting for them to drop anyway. So if I'm seeing pr properties with, uh, birds on it, that's when I, I'm like, Ooh, there's a new spot we could ask and then end up getting 20 acres here, 30 acres there. And, um, I ended up coming in there and I had a buddy last year. He, um, he told me, oh, yeah, my mom has 80 acres. Um, you guys are more than welcome to hunt it. And we went out there, and there was only two birds roosted out there uh, all spring. And <laughs> opening day, we ended up killing them. And she was like, oh, I don't get to see the turkeys no more. <laughs> they don't get the strut. Oh. And, my, and I was like, oh, man. And then I went out there the other day and listened, and 
there was two birds that moved in and were roosting on the other side of the road. So I don't know if we'll end up starting there opening day, but um, yeah, it just kind of seems to be how it falls for me. Yeah. So <clears throat> what's out of all of the, out of all the States that you've hunted, um, Texas, um, Dakota, um, Florida and Michigan now, I mean, you probably hunted more, but which, which, where do you think your favorite place is? South Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. Did that was absolutely beautiful. So do you think, do they, have you noticed like from the different, the different breeds of the birds, do they all, do they vocalize all pretty much the same or is it a little bit different as you go certain directions? Um, Rio's I found, they have a pretty weak gobble. Um, actually probably the weakest turkey gobble I've ever heard in my life. It's like a real, like a blah, 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 blah. It's <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's soft. And then the Merriam's are a little louder. And then the Osceola, they're just like an Eastern. They just got the darker wings and their gobble sounds just as good as a, an Eastern bird. So, um, I do like the Merriam's their gobbles are cool. They're different, but their white fans are absolutely awesome looking. Yeah. So when you said Rio's got that softer gobble and stuff, do you find it's harder to tell a Jake between a Tom off that gobble? Oh, yeah. That my first morning out there, I was hearing all these birds gobble and I looked at my wife and I said, man, there's just a bunch of Jake's around here. And, <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I bet we heard a hundred different birds the first morning gobble. And it's Texas is crazy with the amount of turkeys. And, um, about an hour later, I, I yelped walking down this two track and a bird gobbled. We hurried up, got sat down and I probably could have killed him. Three birds came in, three long beards came in. They were about 40, 45 yards and I had the gun to do it. And I just, I like him close. And so I had the beat on his head and I decided to let him walk, but big old long beards. And I cut at him to get him to gobble. And it was just so, I was like, man, you can misjudge some distance with these birds too. Cause they're not, I mean, they're not all like, loud or nothing they're real soft real gentle gobble yeah that's crazy so what do you think which one has been your favorite to your favorite to hunt um i think well the easterns are my favorite just because there's a bunch of them in michigan (laughs) and uh like i went to wisconsin i killed a eastern in wisconsin and they gobble just like they do here and I don't know. There's something about an Eastern that when they gobble, it shakes the ground you're sitting on. So remember, you can't beat an Eastern gobble. I don't care who you are. Yeah. That's my favorite part of, especially when you get like a group of like four of them and they all start firing off at the same time. That's, that's one of the most crazy things to me. I don't know what it is about them. They all react the exact same time. I think that's so crazy. That's absolutely. We had a hunt like that a few years ago where I called, three birds in and they all got in frame and um i cut at them and they all gobbled at the same time and they were 30 yards away and i mean it was just like you feel it on your back (laughs) yeah it gives you a goosebump every single time that's awesome i love listening to them i'm this is getting me just so fired up for this year (laughs) so obviously you said wisconsin south dakota a little bit of nebraska texas florida how do you think Michigan stands with our conservation and how we manage our turkeys and everything like that compared to all those other states you've hunted? I think, I think we have probably some of the better conservation. Like our, our numbers are 
crazy good, I would say, compared to them other states, except for Texas. Texas, I think you can shoot four birds, and I can see why. Yeah. Um, I know Nebraska is three. Yeah. I yeah, Nebraska Texas, is, Texas is four because I was – I had a deer hunt down there my freshman year of college. And uh, it's weird how it works down there. You just buy, like, a hunting license, and they print off this, like – two foot long thing of tags and it's like two white tails two mule deer four turkeys all the hogs you want the the tag was insane i think i still have it somewhere i'll try and find it i'll see if i can find it and i'll take a picture yeah. of it but yeah, yeah they're they they have a lot of turkeys um south dakota i'm sure they have a lot of birds but i, I think they get shot pretty fast so I, well we got down here too late but i i think we're ranked either number second I can't remember. I thought I read the other day that we were ranked second for, I think like our population or something or something like that. Um, which I would have to say from hunting them other States, we do have an absolute killer amount of birds. It's three years ago. I'm like, this feels good. Yeah. Three years ago, we were ranked eighth in harvest. And then I think last year we bumped up to fourth. And to be honest with you, I haven't looked this year. It still might be fourth or it might be second. You might have seen harvest, but I could see yeah. us being up there with population wise too. It's so yeah, it's so crazy to think ten or twelve years ago, like or it might have been a little bit longer than that, maybe fifteen years ago or whatever, they used to not be even close to as thick. And then you can even go farther back to like when our, our, our parents were like a little bit older than us, there wasn't squat yeah. turkeys around in Michigan. Like it used to be like seeing a pheasant. Like you just mm-hmm. be like, holy smokes, there's a turkey. Well, then they started putting those limits on the tags and all that stuff, and then they it didn't take them long to kind of rebound on that. Now they're it's hard to drive by fields sometimes without seeing them out there, just all puffed up. And usually lots of them too, 30, 40 and a, at a time. My, my yeah, you, know, you never see that's what you never see just like flocks of like eight or ten of them. There's always they're always just big. Big, know? yeah. And it's even better up north from what I've heard. Yeah, up north you definitely start to see – I mean, down here I'll see the big flocks, and I see quite a few more of that 5 to 15 bird range around here. But I say once you get kind of past Grand Rapids and north, the numbers – I mean, the farther north you get in the lower peninsula, just the bigger flocks. I mean, you'll go up just south of the bridge, and you'll see 30, 40, 50, maybe even 100 bird flocks. It's nuts. And yeah, that's you get those big power lines down there, and it's like it's like you're seeing a cattle farm walk across. <laughs> they're all turkeys. Yeah. <laughs> um, talking about our population and harvest rates, do you foresee us ever going to a two tag, or do you think it's something that we should do, shouldn't do? What's your thoughts on that? Um, I think we are really close to a two tag, and I say that because last year at Gall Lake, um, we had a, a tournament. And um, the DNR was there and we got talking with him and he said, we are so close to the harvest, like with the harvest data or whatever, that he sees us going to a two, two tag state real soon. So I think we, I think we could use a two tag state. Um, but I do not think we need more than that because like I said, our population is absolutely killer. It's one of the best places I think to hunt in the U S um, and if you start doing like Nebraska and Texas and stuff, start getting three, four bird limits, we're going to shoot them up. And you can see there's already a population de- decrease in the South right now. 
Um, and you can see like all the research going on from like turkeys for tomorrow and um, the wild turkey doc. Um, they're doing a bunch of um, tests down south because the populations are just getting ruined because of the three of the four, four bird states. Yeah. So I don't want us to go to a, like anything more than a two bird state. Um, it would be cool, but by the end of the year, usually we're having trouble finding birds because I only hunt 20 acres here, 30 acres here. Um, yeah. In the beginning, it's phenomenal. We're on birds all over the place, but they start splitting up even more. And then you start shooting one and then them birds move, the other birds move off the property. So, I mean, we, we could kill two birds, but it would definitely be a stretch by the end of the season. Yeah. And I totally agree with you there with the two, two tags. Cause I mean, you get over two tags, then I think we'd see a population decrease, but that two tags still drives more out of state revenue, which we can put right back into conservation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, like the, the population of, any species like that something that was really low and then comes back up you walk a really fine line of like conserving that population depending on how like what your harvest numbers are mm-hmm. i mean i mean like you like you think like oh it's just one extra bird but then you then you gotta like step back and look at how many pe- how many extra people are going to take one more bird well, well if you look at zz which is the I mean, I'm pretty sure that goes from start to end, doesn't it? Yep, April 23rd yeah. to May. Yep. That's a 50,000 quota. Yeah. And the yep. first year of COVID, 2019, that tag sold out. Yeah. So if you add another bird on that, right there, it doesn't say everybody shoots at a second bird, but yeah, exactly. that bumps up that 50,000 quota to possibly shooting 50,000 to 100,000 birds that could be killed just in that unit ZZ tag. Yeah, and that right there, I mean, you're already talking like that, and that 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 could be a detriment just listening to that right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I almost wonder if they could put it into like a thing where like, so like say like you kept it 50,000 or you bumped it up to 75,000, but only those first 50,000 get the, two, the tag. two tags. Or like a draw maybe for a second yeah. tag. That'd yeah. be really good too. Yeah. Draw maybe like, so keep it at fifty thousand, and then you drew, do do a draw of like half of that for two tags. Yeah, that'd be kind of sweet. Yeah, that would be kind yeah, of be a good way to do it. We should also do that with Sandhills, but we're not going to get in that here. <laughs> yeah. We definitely should have few of those. That'd be nice. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I'm going to kind of jump back to uh, like like not it's not it's not that far off what we're talking about now, but like as far as like population sizes go, like. If you find a property that has like, um, like tons of birds on it, my question is like, would you rather hunt like a flock of like thirty or forty of them, or would you rather be on like smaller groups of them? Because my thoughts is like, if there's a group of so many of them, like those toms are gonna think, well, I don't need that one extra hen. There's thirty of them right here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're a hundred percent correct. Um. I, I like to hunt. I like to find lonely birds. Um, and a lot of our properties are like, you'll get the bird that gets pretty well beat up and, um, he'll roost by himself. And them birds are the funnest to hunt because as long as you're not throwing any type of Jake or a, a Tom decoy, them birds usually will come looking. And if they see like a single hen decoy or whatever, they'll come in and then you get those hunts where he comes right down the barrel, just looking because he's just wanting a hen. Um, but if you get them big flocks, like you said, you got 30 hens out there and 
maybe five, six times and they, they don't care. They, I mean, they got everything they need right here. Why would you leave the real thing to just go over there and look at maybe something that ain't, you yeah. know, here. So, I've noticed yeah. that time hunting more North cause we do some hunting around that Baldwin, big rapids, North of grand rapids area. And you get those bigger flocks and obviously weather is a little behind back there. Um, so you see the bigger groups later in the season and, I find when you hunt those bigger groups, it goes from calling at toms to basically if you can get that lead hen that they're trying to get, that hot hen, yeah. you get her coming. That's the best way to get that huge group. But like you said, you get those single toms that are fired up, especially midday. It's super Ooh. fun. Yes. Yeah. Midday birds are absolutely a die for. Yeah. We'll, once we get in from the morning hunt, if it's a little bit slower, we'll sit on the patio, have lunch, and Usually you hear one go off. It's how get fast up, can you get, get dressed and go? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get your stuff and get against a tree because he's going to die. Oh, yeah. That's one of my, that's one of the things I like about turkey hunting is you don't usually, you don't have to worry about like the wind. No. No. That's, if a turkey, no, you'd never kill them. Oh, yeah. Their eyesight oh, is. That's, what, that's one thing that my dad has always said that if a turkey could smell, they'd be impossible to kill. He mm-hmm. said there'd be billions of them. They'd, you wouldn't be able to. The way they're hearing and their eyesight, absolutely insane. I think I was reading somewhere one time, like, there's only, like, a 18-degree angle, like, behind their head that they can't see. And they can – I was less like, that's absolutely insane. I feel like they yeah. can see breathing sometimes. They see your eyes. Oh, yeah. Sure. It's just, yes. People, people yep. think it's a joke when they hear you say, like, don't look in the hen's eyes, but that ain't no joke. Yep, just point your eyes real real hard and just pray to God that she don't see you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so about all these hunts and everywhere you've been, what would you say boils down to your all-time favorite hunt? Like if somebody said, why you love turkey hunting, tell me one story about a hunt. Which one is it? Oof. <laughs> a lot to think on. Um, to go back and say why I love hunting. Um, well, um, four years ago, five years ago, we had had one of them mornings where it was like just magical. The birds were just doing everything that you could possibly want them to. And we had shot three birds by noon and, um, we were sitting on top of a, a real big hill on a property of mine, bird hanging off of a limb. We're all just sitting there relaxing. And I was like, you know, why don't we, uh, why don't I call Tori and have her pick up a tag and we end up going in the woods. There was like four of us. Um, and we went in the woods and when we shot it, it was like, turkey hunting. It don't have to be like a white tail. It's not, it don't have to be a giant buck, a bird that comes in goblin with a full fan. You, once she shot that bird, we all were just jumping around and it was like, this is what hunting's about. Just being around friends and everything and just enjoying it. So, I think um, that hunt would have been one of them things where it was like, this is, this is something different. And when you're, when like deer hunting, you might be able to hunt with somebody, but with turkeys, you can hunt um, three, four people open a day every single year. Um, me and my brother and Braden hunt open a day. And it's one of them things where it's like, it's hard to beat that. You, oh, yeah. you get to be with your brother or your best friend, your wife. It's hard to beat that. Yeah, Sharing those memories. Yeah. And- that's one of my favorite things about that's because that's what's nice about turkey hunting is because it's not like 
most of the time you can sit there and you can shoot the shit a little bit until you hear birds and then then it's like but for like versus deer hunting when you just kind of sit there it's usually just you you don't talk much but well i remember the first time i took my buddy out hunting he wanted to shoot a turkey and we sat up on this big oak tree you know it's big enough to hide both of us and i remember asking him beforehand i was like what do you want to kill man a jake or a tom he said i'd rather have a tom but i i'd shoot a jake we had some big gum i mean they could have stepped on us almost they came out of nowhere the tom down the path was still gobbling those things walked by us and i could I could see him start to shake, but it was like I could almost feel his heartbeat. And I was like, this <laughs> ever. And I'm, I'm thinking, this is why I do this. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. you experience it doing anything other than hunting. Yeah. It's just, it's so pure. Yeah. yeah. I'll, never, I'll never forget the times when I was younger. There's this older, this older guy who I, I don't even remember how my dad got hooked up with him, but his name was, his name was Larry Fought. He was, he's probably, 70 74 now so i mean he's a little bit younger when i was a kid but i was hunting with him when i was 10 to 16 and i just remember that was like he was like my kind of like my turkey hunting guy mm-hmm. and then like my dad would go take my younger brother out but i mean the story that dude that dude knows how to kill birds it's insane i miss that guy because he's back home i don't really talk to him that much anymore but every once in a while back home i'll run into him and i'll be like dude like you got the birds. His big thing was last year, I actually, I got to go over and hang out with him at his place. And we just, I just wanted to shoot the shit for a little bit. And uh, he said, yeah, he's like, I'm trying, I'm trying to shoot one with my recurve now. Oh. No. Like, he's just, as if turkey hunting wasn't hard enough, Larry Fall, 74 years old. <laughs> he's going to go get one. And I, that, Hunting with him was always so fun because we'd just sit there and he'd tell stories and that dude was awesome. I missed the heck out of that guy. Yeah. Well, anytime, just like in hunting in general, anytime you're out there in God's creation, I tell you what, there's nothing that makes you forget about bills or the troubles of life, like being in the woods. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Everything goes away, but hunting and. Yep. For that moment, it's like nothing in the world matters until you're back home and you're like, man, I've, I've tried to learn to appreciate the moments now. Um, I used to like, we used to shoot turkeys and just pick them up, throw them on our back. Oh, let's go get the next one. Let's go get the next one. Let's go get the next one. And now we'll take a while, sit there, kind of relax, just hang out. Let's try to soak it up a little more. Cause you only get so many. Yep. Yeah. And you know, never know when that one's your last one. Yep. hundred percent. Never know. Never know. And it's, it's, life's so short i mean you just gotta enjoy it and just do the things you love people you love and turkey hunting just happens to be one where everyone that i hang out with does it and um so i get to go out and i get to call in a lot of turkeys with a lot of buddies and just seeing your buddies excited and succeed into something that it's worth like it's first bird they ever kill and then you look over and they're smiling and it's just like yeah, that was worth it that was right. worth getting up in the morning for the 50th day in a row <laughs> Red Bull yeah. coffee mixed together <laughs> yeah all right tanner what's your biggest bird um it was my rio i shot my rio he is a double bearded his uh top beard was 10 and a half his bottom beard was eight and he had an inch and a quarter hooks um mm-hmm. but 
that's the best one I've shot. My wife shot a few birds a lot bigger than mine, but um, <laughs> she usually don't get out till May. So them were the hard-headed birds that you couldn't kill early, and then they're all still looking for that last one. Yeah. And she shot really nice birds. My brother's killed an absolute stud. He shot one with like an inch and five-eighths, not last year, but the year before. That's a stud. Yeah, that thing had absolute daggers. That's some were certified weapons. Motherfucker. <laughs> right Imagine getting a fight with something like that. That would hold. Dude, I mean. I love watching Jake's fight. It looks like two garbage bags flopping around <laughs> out in the field. <laughs> that stuff said shit's so funny to me watching them just fucking they're just you just see they're flopping in the air trying to spur each other in the face. Yeah. <laughs> they're funny. Yeah. What's uh What's your go-to recipe? Um, my wife, a few years ago, we had shot, and it was that day we had shot them four birds open a day, and we had a, just a bunch of birds. I mean, just all the breasts sitting at home, and she's like, man, you know what we should do? Push them, put them in the pressure cooker and put barbecue sauce on them. So she put them in the pressure cooker and pressure cooked them, um, mashed it up like into like pulled pork looking stuff and then put barbecue in it and it was absolutely phenomenal so that's become kind of a tradition open at night we end up eating that um if we kill i mean i got knocked on some wood i don't don't want to do no <laughs> i don't want to do no jinxing yeah. <laughs> we've had a few good opening days uh, uh, it's been I don't want, like I said, I don't want to jinx it. I'm not on some wood. I'm not on wood all night as long as it keeps on going. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, pull yeah. through. sounds pretty good. It does sound good. Put a little shifties on her. Oh. Well, I don't know what that is, but that sounds like it'd be good. Oh, you oh, got to know what it is. You got to. Uh, have you – I'll get you hooked up next time I see you at the store. Um, all right. I think Braden's had it. Ask Braden about it. Okay. Yeah. I think he's tried it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's all the time we've got for today. Tanner, yeah. thanks for taking some time out of the day and watching the girl. Yeah, well, we appreciate you coming on, man. You got us all fired up over here. Well, hey, I appreciate you having me, and uh, we'll have to hook up. Maybe um, shoot some film this year. Maybe watch you guys kill some turkeys. Oh yeah, let me know. I'm always down to film. I'd be down there. Okay, well, don't try me. It's a good time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. It's good talking to you. We'll talk to you later. Yep, take it easy, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week.